it's really been an interesting thought exercise, I think, because it, it used to be a lot about whether I was going to qualify and trying to qualify and believing that I had the ability to qualify for the next level. And now that's not on the table. Like I'm not training hard enough. That's not even part of my objective. So then trying to figure out like, if I'm not going to win, why am I going? And trying to wrap my mind around that has been just a really interesting exercise. And I think, I think it is realizing that I value the pursuit of fitness Mm-hmm. And it doesn't need to be the pursuit of winning or the pursuit of qualifying. It's, it's the value of me trying to be the best I can be with all the other things I'm trying to do. Hello, and welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. In this episode, I share a conversation with Sarah Hopping Estrella, who's a longtime CrossFit athlete, a former affiliate owner and seminar staff member, and she currently works on the CrossFit virtual competitions team. I really enjoyed working with Sarah recently while we both participated in recording CrossFit's new online nutrition course, and I was excited to have her on the podcast to share more of her story with all of you. So in this episode, we talk about Sarah's career in the hammer throw and how she narrowly missed qualifying for the 2008 Olympics how CrossFit saved her life and has shaped her beliefs around body image and nutrition, and how she's navigated the transition from competitive athlete to motherhood more recently. Before we dive into the episode, I do want to make it clear that this podcast is for general information only and does not provide medical advice. I recommend that you seek assistance from your personal physician for any health conditions or concerns. So with that, let's get to the episode. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm so excited to be here today with Sarah Hopping Estrella. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I thought we could start with everyone's favorite question. What is your CrossFit origin story or how did you find CrossFit? Oh, sure. So I started CrossFit in 2009, I suppose. Um, I oh, had that was a good year. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've both been doing it for a while. Um, I started, I had competed in hammer throw in track and field up until the 2008 Olympic trials. And I had kind of made a deal with myself when I decided to throw the hammer that I would throw and gain weight and do everything I could to be as successful in that endeavor as possible. But like the moment I was done, I wanted to go back to what I considered to be a healthy weight and um, kind of try to just go back to optimizing my body. Um, mm-hmm. And so I finished throwing, I decided officially to retire kind of toward the end of 2008. And I spent the next year running, of course, because that's what of course, you do. That's what weight. you do. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate running and it was miserable and it was like moderately effective. And then <laughs> I, I ran a 12 K race and wow. did absolutely nothing for three months after that. <laughs> and so then I was stepping up onto a curb, like walking to work. I stepped up onto, onto a curb and I noticed that my knee caved in, you know, how that's kind of like one of the return to sport things is like, if your knee can track over your toe, then you're ready to return to sport. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm not injured and I can't keep my knee over my toe. Something's got to change. Something's going on. Um, and so right around that time, I saw some athletes, um, in downtown, in downtown San Francisco that were doing CrossFit and they were like, had their shirts off and they had six packs and they were doing pull-ups and they were carrying stuff <laughs> in the street. And I was just like, that looks awesome. I should try it. So and cool. the rest is history. So cool. Yeah. Um, once you, well, I guess, what was your background? Obviously you had, you did the hammer throw, but what was your background in sports growing up and how did you end up in the hammer? Yeah, well, um, that was a long path. Um, <laughs> I started sports 
my family was active. Um, so we did all kinds of outdoorsy stuff growing up, like hiking and mountain biking, that kind of thing. Organized sports wise, I, um, I started when I was five playing soccer. And I distinctly remember sometime around that time, whatever, I guess probably when it would have been the 88 Olympics, mm-hmm. watching the Olympics and just being like, that is cool. I want to compete in the Olympics when I grow up. So cool. Um, and so that kind of was like my guiding light for my life. Yeah. Um, uh, leading into college. Um, so I played soccer, originally thought that I would try to make the Olympic team in soccer. Um, that kind of fell apart in high school and I switched over to track and field. Mm-hmm. So then I was long jumping and triple jumping and hurdling. Okay. Um, and going pretty well, I was recruited to college. I was supposed to do the heptathlon in college, um, mm-hmm. but I thought the 800 was really too hard. And that sounds miserable. <laughs> that would be my least favorite event to ever try. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I, so I liked the multi, multi events and, mm-hmm. but I wasn't really built for it. Um, and so I probably six months into my freshman year in college, they switched me over to hammer. They thought that my build was better suited for it and I was worth a try. And mm-hmm. so I switched over. Um, and that ended up being, I did that from 2001 until the trials in 2008. Wow. And so I didn't ultimately make the Olympics, but I was really trying that whole time. You were very, very close, right? Yeah. I, I ended up finishing third at the Olympic trials in 2008. Um, but the, I didn't have the A standard. And so the woman who finished in fourth place did have the A standard. So she made the team and I didn't. Wow. So it was pretty close. What is, you're going to have to explain what the A standard is. I'm not familiar. Um, so at least for track and field, the way that the Olympic qualifying works is that a country can earn spots to the Olympics based on the number of athletes that have achieved the A standard or the B standard. And then there's a lot of intricacies, but if a country has more than three people that have achieved the A standard, only people who have achieved the A standard can actually qualify for the team. Okay. So I hadn't achieved the A standard, um, even though I had thrown it and I was supposed to qualify um, or to hit the A standard one week. Um, but I went to a, a ring that was set up incorrectly. Wow. And so, so I it's didn't a, actually hit it. So it's a certain score that you have to get at some point throughout the season. So even though yeah. maybe that other athlete didn't even get it at that competition, she had gotten it previously. So she ended up qualifying. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That has to, I, first of all, just like talk us through what that was like, because like you said, this was a dream that you had since you were a child and then eight years in, you know, throwing hammer. And I mean, obviously it had to have been devastating, but then how did you sort of pick yourself up after that and move forward? Well, it was a really interesting thing. I remember having a conversation with my coach in the months leading up to the trials and telling him that I was concerned that I was going to give my spot away, that I was going to decide that someone else needed it, needed that experience more than I did because I had spent my life working towards this goal, but I also had like a professional career and I had a lot, I had a very full life outside of sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't need to qualify for the Olympics. I was going to wake up the next day and I was going to be okay. And I had to work. I hadn't given everything to this goal, you know? Okay. And so even though I'd given very much and it'd been a, a very significant focus, I, the other women I was competing against, many of them had given everything. And this was like the one thing in their life that they were focused on. And I think that's what it takes to qualify mm-hmm. for the Olympics. And so going into my third throw, um, I, I was, I, I just had in my head, like she needs it more than I do. 
And so I finished in third place, but the woman who ended up finishing fourth, she had committed more Mm -hmm. to that experience. And just in that moment, I didn't, I didn't want to take it from her. And so I've obviously thought about that a lot in hindsight and kind of wondered whether that was the wisest thing I could have done. And who knows if I would have made it had I been fully committed, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's so interesting, especially like, I don't know, I think especially as women, this idea of, at least for me, like competing in CrossFit, this idea of really believing that you can win or believing that you should win or are the best. Like it was always something that was really hard for me to grapple with, but unless you have that, I think that that mentality and that true belief in yourself with no doubt that like you have to, you know, you should be the best and like you deserve it. It's hard to actually win without having that 100% and having no doubts. Oh yeah. I've had that experience multiple times since then. Um, I missed the games in 2013 by a point. Mm-hmm. Um, like in three different events, if I finished one spot there, <laughs> I would have actually made the games. Um, oh and then that was, that was a fight and I was trying to make it and I didn't, but I, I found myself so occupied with like thoughts of what if I fail, like what if I fail, what if I fail? Um, and real, real recently, I don't remember where I came across it, but I came across this, like, but what if you succeed mm-hmm. as a mentality and like to try to offset all those fears and all that anxiety around like, what if I fail around like all the things that you can lean into as a result mm-hmm. of success, if you were to succeed. And I'm kind of past my competitive endeavors now, but in my professional endeavors, leaning into that, like, but what if I succeed and like feeling the draw of mm-hmm. all the, all the benefit that success could have. Mm-hmm. And like the ways that that would change my ability to have an impact, I mm-hmm. think has had a huge impact on the way that I think about things and my level of stress going into an important situation. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd learned it sooner. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that was also a big learning process for me through years of competing. Yeah. And I think, I think like a, a big part of it too, is also believing that you deserve it. Like, I think that it's so easy to say, like, I had that same mentality, like, well, all of these other women are working just as hard as me. And like, how come, you know, one person deserves it more than the other, but um, it's hard to grapple with. Um, it's so interesting. And I think, how- it's, I think it's funny and cool to hear you say that as someone who was competing when you were also competing and crushing it and like just admiring you so much and so knowing <laughs> that you feel that way too, or felt that way too is it's encouraging and discouraging at the same time, I suppose. But like right. for me watching you and like, of course she will succeed. She's so fit and amazing. Um, <laughs> right. And I think that's one of the, the coolest things is just no matter who you talk to, like if you talk to whatever you're talking about sports, you're talking about, you know, business, any other career endeavor. If you talk to like the woman who's supposedly at the top of the game, like she I'm sure struggles with all the same things. Like, I think that it's yeah. one of these universally human things about us and um, you know, everybody has a little bit of a different experience, but we're all human, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, so interesting. Okay. So you had that experience, then you found CrossFit talk about how then, and you mentioned you had, you know, allowed your body to change in different ways to try to meet that goal of, of making it to Mm -hmm. the Olympics. How was your, I know for me and for many people, CrossFit had a huge impact on, you know, our, obviously our physical ability, but also our bodies, our relationship with our bodies. What, what was that like for you? I feel very strongly that CrossFit saved my life and not, not to exaggerate that. Um, so coming out of high school, I was a jumper. 
I was 5'11". I am 5'11". Still am. Um, and like fairly thin, like built properly for jumping, like for optimizing your jumping. Um, but I was, I fell into that. Like, what if you lose five pounds? Like, wouldn't you jump farther if you lost five pounds mm-hmm. trap? Um, and so I proceeded to try to make myself smaller for a large percent of my like later high school years, my early college years. And that led into an eating disorder and some fairly, fairly dangerous behaviors. Um, and always trying to make myself less and less and less. Um, and so even though I was succeeding, I think that had a large, like I was recruited to college and stuff. Um, but I think that had a pretty large impact on my ability to actually be successful in that event. Um, and so leading into college, I ended up having a stress fracture and that was a big part of like from under eating and under, Mm um, just under fueling. Um, and so I then switching into hammer had this like, okay, now you can eat as much as you want, basically, (laughs) like you need to eat more. And in some ways like eating more will feel better performance. And so that kind of helped. Um, it took away the, the sport, um, aspect, but it didn't at all fix my heart or my brain and the way I felt about my body and the way that I assessed myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then when I found CrossFit, I was in this like lose weight place and I had kind of stopped the disordered eating behaviors, but I was still feeling very fragile mm-hmm. um, and powerless to actually achieve a healthy body. Like I felt like my choices were to either be overweight or be underweight and underfueled. And I didn't, I didn't have an alternative. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like everywhere I turned, it was like, you're not supposed to eat fat. You're not supposed to eat carbs. Now, now <laughs> you aren't supposed to eat just, protein, right? Like just eat cardboard. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so then I found CrossFit and CrossFit was like, eat, eat meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, <laughs> little starch and no sugar, like eat these things and eat enough to support exercise, not enough to support body fat. And initially when I showed up to CrossFit, I, I asked the coach if I could um, get a discount on my membership if he didn't talk to me about nutrition, mm. <laughs> I don't want to go <laughs> there. I felt really fragile and I, I didn't yeah. want to have that conversation. I didn't, I didn't want to go there. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny because ultimately like I started with paleo back then. Um, and it just made all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, because all of a sudden I was eating, eating the nutrients that my body needed, eating enough of those nutrients to actually be able to develop some muscle mass more muscle mass and lean out at the same time, which was, had always been a a problem for me. Um, and it was just amazing. Like, and, and I basically like my body changed within probably three months. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've basically maintained that same, that same physique just through eating that way Mm -hmm. and eating enough and eating enough of the right things. And it's just really remarkable to me, especially as someone who'd spent my whole life being an athlete, like it really changed everything. Yeah. I had seen something you had written before about how you were stronger after you started CrossFit than you ever were when you were training. Yeah. To try that to qualify also for the blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so I, we did a lot of lifting obviously and, and throwing and I was strong. Um, uh-huh. but within a few months of doing CrossFit, I was able to power clean more than I had ever power cleaned as a thrower, focused practically entirely on lifting. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a long time to get a full, like, um, mature squat. Mm-hmm. I had a really immature squat from like probably spraying my ankles a million times in soccer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we just never really squatted below parallel in college. Um, so yeah, being able to actually get full range of motion in my hips and ankles was huge. And then 
yeah, also able to develop more power, which I found just really an awesome testament of how effective the CrossFit methodology is. Plus I could go up the stairs without getting winded. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We all wish we would have found it sooner. Right. <laughs> yeah. I remember doing that, that too, when I, I found CrossFit when I was in college and I remember going back to the gymnastics gym, like on, I don't know, Christmas break or something and playing around mm-hmm. at home. And all of a sudden, all these skills that before would have taken me all season to get the strength for it were really easy. And, you know, you just wonder, wow, I wish I would have found this sooner. Oh yeah. It's amazing. That's so cool. And, yeah. and so incredible. I have to say, I think I've probably said it on the podcast before, but it blows my mind. How many people I talk to that say CrossFit saved my life. Like that is so mind blowing to me. Um, and it just shows how powerful it is. It's incredible. Yeah, it really, it really is effective and it's, it's a complete, it's a complete system that, you know, like everything is like, don't eat, don't lift heavy things. Don't put yourself in dangerous situations. And this is so different than that. And yet so much safer in some way, not, not safe per se, but effective mm-hmm. and change in changing the way that it in changing my trajectory where I would have ended up. Mm-hmm. So it's like taking these calculated risks relative to what society would tell you. <laughs> right. Um, but then ultimately like being so much better for it. Right. And it obviously had such a huge impact on you. You ended up deciding to open an affiliate. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you talk about what that experience was like and then being able to actually, you know, having such an impact on your own life, but then, you know, being able to teach it to other people? Yeah. Um, So I started in 2010, um, took my level one, like within a couple of months, started coaching, Mm -hmm. um, really enjoyed coaching. Um, And then I started competing right away also. And so then in, I guess it would have been the 2012 regionals after the 2012 regionals. I also had to take all of 2011 off basically because I broke my elbow. Oh, geez. (laughs) Um, I was hurtling at the track. Turns out not like riding a bike. And (laughs) and so I had surgery. Oh no. It was the same week I finally got my first handstand push up. Oh my gosh. That was, yeah. So 2011 was not a great year, but in 2012 I competed in regional and, um, my chiropractor was working on me and talking about some of the continuing education he was doing and just like so passionate about the things that he was learning and the ways that he was able to apply those things he was learning, mm-hmm. um, in his practice. And I, at the time was working full-time at an investment bank, which was an awesome opportunity. And I'm really grateful. I had the opportunity to do that. Um, but I was developing expertise in something other than my true passion, which mm-hmm. was fitness and human performance and, helping people become the best version of themselves. Like that's what I'm really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was listening to him talk and thinking just like, I have to figure out a way to make my life, like the things that I'm learning professionally, I can be that passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so shortly thereafter, um, decided to leave my job in investment banking and go into full-time gym ownership. Mm-hmm. It's a big leap of faith. So that was, yeah. I think, I think most of the people in my life that I had absolutely lost my mind, um, <laughs> but the ones who were close to me knew that it was kind of inevitable probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was great. I loved it. We opened an affiliate in San Francisco um, with my then boyfriend now husband. Um, and I don't know what's a bigger commitment, like, like getting the, yeah, opening an affiliate together or then deciding to get married. <laughs> yeah, we, we found it. I feel like 
we found it to be like so many of the things that we had to figure out as affiliate owners and like business partners have made so many of the things that we deal with in our life now so much easier just because like we've worked through some really challenging things together. Yeah. And like we know where we can lean on each other. We know where one of us is not the one to rely on. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> so it's been great. So anyway, we opened it. It was great. I really loved it. Um, we decided in 2019 to move back to Colorado where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we decided to, to sell the affiliate and um, move back to Colorado. So that was <sighs> really hard. Honestly, probably, probably the most traumatic loss in my life that I've mm-hmm. experienced. Um, just because that community, you know, we <laughs> went to each other's weddings, went to each other's, yeah. you know, experienced pregnancy together, experienced yeah. really some very, very tragic things too, all together. And yeah. so deciding to, to part ways was really hard, but, That's um, really hard. the experience of owning an affiliate and being, having that role for that mm-hmm. period of time was really great. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. And obviously, you know, a hard decision, but going back to where your family is, I know in part had to do with the fact that you also had your daughter who is, you said yeah. now three, how old is yeah. she? Yeah. Yeah. She's three now. Three. Um, she's yeah. Delightful. I mean, and I know obviously, you know, you're, it seems like almost your whole life you've been competitive in some way, right? Like even in CrossFit, you were competing in cross games. You, I know competed in Olympic weightlifting. We're very successful there. I know you were in the grid league a little bit too. So was there ever a time like prior to pregnancy that you weren't really competing in something? Only that one break, I think. So, um, after I stopped competing in hammer Mm -hmm. and did the year running, there was like a three month period that I did nothing. Okay. Um, and then I realized that I had, I was so quickly losing all of the the strength and stability and ability that I'd worked so hard to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, so only that period. And then ever since then, I think CrossFit has been such a great solution and like CrossFit adjacent things with weightlifting for me was CrossFit adjacent. I spent most of my time as the weightlifter training for CrossFit, like primarily training for CrossFit and doing a, like doing a little bit more weightlifting, mm-hmm. but I was still like, I think I would freak out some of my competitors because I would warm up really much at the last second. <laughs> and I didn't like to sit down between sets. Just do a quick, you know, grace before your, your lift yeah. on the platform. I was yeah. always, I, I think I did maybe one, I think I might've only done one Oli meet and it just felt so different, you know, because you do three lifts and then you're like, okay, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so it's a cool. lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. So much pressure and so cool to be able to transfer like that. I mean, it has been amazing to observe the people that have been able to transfer, you know, what they're doing in a CrossFit affiliate and then be really successful in the weightlifting world too. Yeah. I, I found CrossFit to just be such a good foundation for everything else. I've been learning to play tennis lately Oh, and it's so fun because I feel (laughs) like I haven't been doing that sort of thing. I really have no experience, but like I have the strength and flexibility and like endurance mm-hmm. that I can go out there and play for a long time, get a lot of reps in and mm-hmm. like hit the ball pretty hard, which I love. <laughs> That's awesome. Living it out, learn and play new sports. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. And it's really fun how much that's actually true. So you have the ability to do that. Yeah. Like you said, yeah. going back into gymnastics gym or like going skiing, like I have this totally. baseline level of like, I can survive. Mm-hmm. I won't necessarily be good at it, but I can do it. And that's really <laughs> fun. I can give it a shot. That's awesome. 
So what was it like then for you? Um, obviously a big sort of life transition going through pregnancy and now being a mom. Yeah. Um, I think it was a huge decision to have a baby because I wanted to make sure that I was at a place in life where I had completed everything athletically that I felt like I needed to do Mm -hmm. so that I wouldn't have any regrets after pregnancy if I wasn't ever able to return to Mm -hmm. any kind of competitive level. Cause I know that like, even though it generally goes fine, Mm -hmm. people are able to recover, like that's not a guarantee. Mm -hmm. And so I felt really strongly that I didn't want to have any resentment towards a future child mm-hmm. that I like that you, that that per- the existence of that person had changed the trajectory of my life in a negative mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. which now that I have a baby and it's gone the way it has, I just, <laughs> I laugh at that logic <laughs> just because I've been so, I've so enjoyed choosing to become a mom and like the experience of just her in my life and like every way that she's changed my life. I'm it's cool. I really like it, <laughs> but it's giant and a, a huge transition and everything about my life is different too. Mm-hmm. Um, pregnancy was kind of stressful. Like I felt like I was always constantly worried about like, what if this, what if whatever I'm choosing to do mm-hmm. in or out of the gym has a negative impact on the baby. And I found that just really anxiety provoking. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately I actually had a very easy pregnancy relatively speaking. Um, I was able to train throughout, um, kind of deprioritized any kind of goals. And mm-hmm. I was fairly cautious to err on the side of caution when I had a choice, mm-hmm. um, just cause that's what felt right to me. And I'm in awe of the people who are able to like keep going so hard through pregnancy. And that's <laughs> fine for me. I was too nervous to do that. I think physically it probably actually would have been fine, but I was, I wasn't enough of a rebel, I guess, <laughs> like deviate quite that far from my own recommendations. Yeah. Um, but I still was lifting and um, working out. I did the open mm-hmm. when I was like 39 weeks pregnant. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> um, and then uh, actually delivery was much harder than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, took longer, did not go smoothly, had planned to be like no interventions, basically needed every mm-hmm. intervention. Um, and it took me a long time to recover after mm-hmm. she was born. Um but now three years later, little by little, um, it's a whole lot more about like how much time can I devote to training? How much do I actually care to mm-hmm. like, practice the things that require practice to, to be at whatever level I want to be at. So it's much more now a question of mm-hmm. how I want to prioritize my time mm-hmm. than anything else. Yeah. That's amazing. And thanks for sharing that. Cause I know it's not easy to share. I think there's so many, um, just expectations, especially from high level athletes about, how pregnancy should go or like how you expect it to go and you never know what's going to happen. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that it's important for women to know that like, just because you're really high level athlete or you can squat a lot of weight doesn't mean that you're going to have the smoothest pregnancy or delivery. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't, didn't quite go how I planned, but in the end, like bodies are also incredible Mm -hmm. and like, what bodies are able to, to do, like women's bodies are able to do in creating a baby and then delivering a baby and recovering from all that that entails is just incredible. Like I, I walked away, like just in awe of the human. <laughs> it's a pretty cool thing. It is amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. Um, so now I know you're, you know, you, like you said, you're kind of back into training and it's more about finding this balance of being a mom and doing the other things that you're doing in life. Um, and I know you also are now involved 
in the virtual competition aspect of CrossFit. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that looks like? Yeah, so um, this past summer, I had an opportunity to join CrossFit full-time to work on the games team, the sport team, um, focused on virtual events. Um, and it's just a really, really cool opportunity. Um, as I've said, like, I'm really passionate about CrossFit. I've always really loved competing. And I really love how, for me now at this stage in my life, competing is a lot more about like holding myself accountable to a goal that will help me do the things that I know are important to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are so many days that I would like to not work out because of all the distractions and all the other things that yeah. I could be doing with my time. And if I sign up for a competition, then I kind of have to, because I know that a volume of GHDs is coming or I have to be able to do so many pull-ups or I'm going to be embarrassed if I don't like train mm-hmm. enough, you know? <laughs> um, and that accountability to something that I believe is like utmost important like staying fit and healthy is of utmost importance to me. Like I believe that that's critical to support all the other things I'm trying to do. And mm-hmm. so when I sign up for a competition, then it's just this kind of source of external motivation to go ahead and do all the things I want to be doing anyway. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Like health and training point. So, so speaking of which, to- I know you're, you're doing a competition this weekend, correct? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll be competing at the legends CrossFit championship in San Diego in the Super 35 exciting. to 39 category. Um, I'm really excited. They keep announcing like the different movements and equipment that they'll be using. It just sounds like it's going to be really fun. So it'll be fun to get back out there. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, how I'm not is your, where I was. How is your perspective different going into something like that versus, you know, before, I mean, you said this is your first competition since having Avery. Um, how's your perspective different now? I think It's really, it's really been an interesting thought exercise, I think, because it, it used to be a lot about whether I was going to qualify and trying to qualify and believing that I had the ability to qualify for the next level. Um, and now that's not on the table. Like I'm not training hard enough. That's not even part of my objective. So then trying to figure out like, if I'm not going to win, why am I going? And trying to wrap my mind around that has been just a really interesting exercise. And I think, I think it is realizing that I value the pursuit of fitness. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't need to be the pursuit of winning or the pursuit of qualifying. It's, it's the value of me trying to be the best I can be with all the other things I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then representing, like, even with all the other things I'm trying to do, I still can be this fit. And so can everyone else, like, mm-hmm. within their own life, you know, like, I'm a lot fitter than I would be if I didn't care. And so I'm trying to, to prioritize it and be out there because I care. And I think it's mm-hmm. important. Um, and so hoping to, set an example for Avery, if nothing else, like, absolutely. That, that if you, if you are able to train consistently over many years, like you can be pretty fit and mm-hmm. that's hopefully cool. That's awesome. And I love what you said about being fit in the context of everything else. Cause I think that's oftentimes what people, what can be easy for all of us to lose sight of is, you know, thinking like, Oh, well, I could be better if I was training an extra hour a day or if X, Y, Z, but, yeah. but looking at like, do you actually want to be training an extra hour a day or are the other things in your life more important to you? And answering that question and then putting your performance in that context is so important. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's self-consciousness around like, if anyone remembers, you know, how much I used to lift, right? Like, first of all, I doubt anyone's going to remember, but if anyone (laughs) does remember, and then I don't live up to that, like, I don't want that to be like, oh, that's because she had a baby or that's because she's old now. Or like all these things like in my head of like, 
right. all the things that could be excuses. Like the real reason is because I'm not training as much as I was and it doesn't matter to me in the same way that it did. Mm-hmm. And that's great for where I'm at right now. That's totally fine. And mm-hmm. if I, I don't see age or having a baby as a reason that I couldn't do those things, just my priorities have changed and I've, I'm in a different place now. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully there aren't, there aren't the like, oh, well, she's not strong anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay, kind of strong. She's not as strong. <laughs> right. And I think it was something I think I, I thought about too, as I went into the rogue competition or it wasn't really a competition for me, but the rogue event you a couple great. months ago, but it's also thinking about, you know, yeah, I'm really not nearly as fit as I was not even close. And I'm not training that much, like sort of even to the point where I was almost embarrassed to go out there, but then also realizing like there's, you know, I wouldn't want to be spending my time any differently. Like I'm really happy with how much time I'm spending on training, knowing that, you know, this is where I'm at and knowing that, yeah, people may say like, wow, she's really not (laughs) as fit as she once was, or wow, she's really struggling or whatever. But realizing that like, that also doesn't matter. Like, (laughs) like people can think what they want or say what they want. And most people probably aren't paying any attention. They're probably, like you said, they don't remember exactly how much weight you used to lift or, or any of those things. They're just, I think people just like to see people out there having fun and pushing themselves and, you know, like we all do. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think certainly watching you and watching everyone else at that competition out there, just like the combination of what you're, the amazing things you're all still capable of, which is amazing. And then also the memories of like how much your, your competitive ability has inspired so many people. It's just, I think it's great. I'm really glad that Rogue does that event. I'm glad you were able and willing to participate. It's really great. Oh yeah. Thanks. Me too. I think it was, it's the coolest event ever. And to be out there with people like Annie and Tanya and, you know, it's, it's amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So I want to return back to the virtual events cause I want to <laughs> make sure we talk about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so obviously competition is important to me and I've seen the value of like, apart from the competition, the good that that brings to my life. So the way that, that, training for a competition and preparing for a competition helps you to be more consistent, helps you to increase your intensity, helps you to actually get better results in the gym, be more focused. I love that. And I love that competition has the ability to inspire people, some people, not everyone, but some people to be more committed throughout the year to their training. Um, And so it's just an opportunity for me to kind of dive into what that looks like um, throughout the year. Um, for people who aren't necessarily motivated by trying to compete in the games, like what other ways are, can they engage with CrossFit and signing up for something that helps them reap those same benefits, like to engage with some sort of competition that they have to sign up for, train for, prepare for, and then maybe learn a new skill. Like I definitely know there were so many competitions that I signed up for in the early days that I couldn't do a handstand push-up. Mm-hmm. And nothing will motivate you more to get a handstand push-up than standing next to like Neil Maddox and Annie Sakamoto telling them, like, I'm so sorry that we're losing now because I can't do handstand push-ups. Um, so I think it's fun. Like, I think it's really fun to, to try to create more opportunities. And especially as CrossFit has grown, um, the affiliate kind of becomes the place where most people are experiencing the open and experiencing competition, right? So creating more opportunities for people to have that experience throughout the year. I love and cheer that. for each other. 
I yeah. love that. It's so true. It's, it's something magical about that. When you, you know, you push yourself a little bit harder, you have that environment of, of other people around you believing in you. Um, it's really cool to see what happens. Yeah. I remember one of the early days, um, I was competing in a local competition and, um, one of the other athletes, I was on the like back stretch of the final lap, just like sucking wind and think like questioning my life choices <laughs> and uh, an athlete started to pass me and I was like, Oh, it's on. And I was able to speed up so much. <laughs> yeah. and so like my, my understanding of intensity and like how bad you can feel and you can still go harder was Absolutely. like forever altered. And so now <laughs> still like probably 10 years later, I get into those modes where I'm just like, Oh, can't move a muscle and like, no, remember when she was passing you? Yeah. You can always push a little harder when you have the right yeah. mindset so, or the right person so I, to chase. I hope that through the virtual events program, we can cre- just create more of those moments for people that they can engage with CrossFit, see the results and be healthier, happier people as a result. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, I know the two of us also recently had the opportunity to record some of the content for the new CrossFit nutrition course. Yeah. So, and obviously that is something that the community has been asking for, for a long time and is so exciting to see it out there, but I'd love to just talk first about, and you know, you mentioned earlier, what a big role changing your nutrition made, um, when you started CrossFit, but, but for you, um, how do you think about nutrition in terms of, you know, your own personal performance and experience, but also as you've worked with other people? Yeah. I mean, I think there's just so much elegance in CrossFit's nutrition principles, like eat meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch and no sugar tells you what to eat (laughs) and eat in quantities that support exercises, but not body fat is hard to know how much that is. But like if, and when I can do that, it's like exactly the right amount. And so I just, I love that. Um, And I love that it starts with eat and not don't eat. I think that so many of the nutrition recommendations out there, all the things that you shouldn't eat. And if you were to follow those, you would eat nothing said earlier. And I think that's the path that I tried to take for a really long time. And that for me, was like, I'm not going to eat any of the like actually good things that I could be eating. And so then I'm not going to eat anything. And then I'm going to fall into this trap of eating all this garbage because I'm actually so hungry and that's what's available. Um, and so saying like, don't eat, the processed stuff, don't eat processed carbs, don't eat refined sugars, don't eat processed oils, don't eat processed meats, eat unprocessed food in the right amount. Um, Just so life-changing. Around the time I started CrossFit, I was also diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune thyroid disorder, as you know. Um, And so, and that's really, for me, it's been really reactive to what I eat. And so taking out processed greens in particular has been really dramatic in Mm -hmm. Um, the way that I experience symptoms, like you, I can't cure Hashimoto's. I'll have Hashimoto's forever, but like I can feel so much worse if I'm eating kind of more traditional Western diet versus if I'm eating primarily meat and vegetables, fruit. Mm-hmm. I eat a lot of meat and vegetables and fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and then another thing that was really interesting is that later on, as I got through, when I first started CrossFit, I was just entirely paleo, like, and that was kind of what we did back then. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever did all paleo, but that's what I did for several years. It I was did. Great. I had great yeah. results. Go ahead. Oh yeah. I was just going to say that was my yeah. also, it was probably a couple of years into CrossFit actually. It wasn't until I think 2011 or 12 that I went sort of very strict paleo. And I did that 
really through all the years that I was competing, it wasn't until after I was done competing that I like occasionally would start straying away from it. Yeah. Same in my early, probably the first five years, at least I was pure paleo, maybe plus rice. Um, and cream in my coffee and otherwise like pure paleo. Um, and then I started tracking macros. I started getting more and more into nutrition and studying nutrition, starting to get some nutrition certifications and ultimately did get a master's in nutrition. Um, and so as I was ex exploring that and different approaches, I started to track macros. Um, that was also as in 2014, I tried to compete in weightlifting, you mentioned, um, but I'm 5'11 and I was trying to compete in the 75 kilo class. Um, and the leanness that that required trying to be like max strong and also 165 at 5'11 was just like, oh, virtually impossible. Um, so I started tracking macros because that level of precision was necessary for me to have that mm -hmm. any chance of actually walking around at that body weight. Um, it was really interesting because I learned that I was eating like 50 grams of carbs a day on paleo, like really high fat, really, really low carb. Mm -hmm. Um, and so one of my primary problems in training was that I really have like muscle burn. Like I had a real hard time with stamina. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as I was doing more research, I realized that that was the like super low carb. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started to intentionally incorporate more fruit into my mm -hmm. diet and being more, more diligent with the macronutrient balance and trying to target more for me, 40% carbs was really high. Like mm -hmm. that seemed just so high compared to what I was, had been used to, but it made a huge difference in my stamina. So I didn't, I don't know that I ever actually got to 40%. I was usually more like 40% fat. Um, but incorporating some of that macronutrient balance and explain, exploring that within my competitive ability and like how I was experiencing stamina limitations um, really was cool. <laughs> really cool. Um, at some point, I went higher carb and felt terrible. Felt like super hangry between meals. Like if, <laughs> if I was five minutes late in meeting, I was just like famished. Um, so for me, the... And especially with Hashimoto's, that actually makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so high fat works a little better for me. Um, but just being able to to have a, ultimately to have a framework to explore what which dials to turn and the sources of food I should turn to for the different macronutrients that I needed and being able to recognize that fruit is a totally valid source of carbohydrate. I don't have to eat bread. Mm -hmm. um, it was just really life-changing. Then obviously I've seen that in our affiliate too, like there were so many people that like our approach was almost always like reduce soda, reduce desserts, reduce the processed stuff mm -hmm. and don't just reduce, but also replace with meat and vegetables and nuts and seeds, mm -hmm. some fruit, little starch. Like, <laughs> no, sure. And that has yeah. just been so cool. Like not just, not just see less, but also eat more of these things that your body needs. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I love that illustration of just how how it is this constant, really lifelong process of playing with these dials and figuring out what you, what is best for you and what helps you optimize your own performance and your own health. Um, so it's cool that you have that. You've been able to see the impact of that, not only on how you feel in the gym and your performance, but also on, you know, some symptoms that you're having too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, are you going to say something? Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say it's, um, it's been really interesting now too, as like post-competitive and like not needing that level of precision anymore. Um, and also coming from like, you know, in my early twenties, having eating disorders and like now trying to find this balance of like, I don't need or want to be as lean as I was then. Mm -hmm. Um, I still want to pursue optimal health. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so now it's not about like, I'm worried I'm going to be overweight or look bad or anything like that. Now it's like, I want to be as healthy as I possibly can be going into the next stage of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I found that those same principles work great in this space too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's been really exciting. Like that's I awesome. still like, I need to focus on eating more of the things like more meat, more vegetables always. Like I always need to focus on that. And if I'm doing that, then my performance is good. My body comp is where I want it to be. My blood markers are good. Um, and that's just such an, it's, it's such a nice, such a nice way to live, I guess. Like mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm, I'm not back to where I was back when I was having trouble, like eating maple scones on a regular basis or like eating <laughs> several cookies a day. Like those are all things that like, I, I don't know why I thought that that was a good plan or, like, <laughs> or why I was like, it tasted really good in the moment. <laughs> Yeah. And just like being out of that habit and breaking that sugar addiction mm-hmm. has made such a difference. I'm really, I'm just so incredibly grateful that CrossFit presented that to me at a time in my life and in a way that could actually have this like lasting impact. Mm-hmm. And I'm hopeful through participating in the nutrition course and being able to contribute to that. Like, I just am so hopeful that as many people as possible can, can experience that same freedom. Mm-hmm. Like, actually knowing what to eat to achieve good health and even fitness for those who want to go that route. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful how simple it really can be um, and how empowering it can be. So I'm excited also that, that more of that information is now out there for people to be able to interact with um, in a different way and hopefully implement in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're so grateful they did it. So awesome. Um, so I, and actually it was cool. I think we talked about this while we were out there. Um, cause we both were previously on seminar staff, but, um, I had always, that was always sort of my long-term dream was to one day be able to deliver the nutrition lecture or the, what is fitness lecture? Um, because those really changed my life when I first did the level one and, I wasn't, I didn't do enough seminars to get to that point, but it was really cool. Like such an honor to be asked to record parts of the, the nutrition course. Cause it obviously, you know, for both of us has impacted our lives quite a bit. Yeah. So, so much. So, and so it's such an honor to be there with you and Stefan to try to, to share it. <laughs> it was a yeah. fun time. Um, well, I want to wrap up with three questions. I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. So the first one is what are the three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health? Number one is definitely work out. Mm -hmm. Like, even if I don't have time, even if I don't like, I don't have a big plan or anything like that, like just making sure that I work out most days, Mm -hmm. um, and work out intensely. I think seeking time to be outside. And like being intentional about that um, really has made a big difference on my mental health, I would say in particular. Mm-hmm, um, and then making an effort to be present with my family. So trying to set aside my phone, I think, and just like making a conscious effort to be there. Because when I, when I find myself like kind of trying to divide my attention, I, I get really discouraged about everything. Mm-hmm. And if, if I, if I take, the step to be really intentional about being there and present with them, engaging with them in a real way. Um, it just unlocks my ability to focus on everything else. I love that. Yeah. I'm also a very bad multitasker. So <laughs> I always feel, feel better when I can be 
focus on one thing. What is one thing that you yeah. think would have a big impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it or something that you're working on? Meal prep. Mm. I have no doubt that if I planned ahead better, I would be <laughs> closer to where I want to be. Totally. Um, <laughs> and I just don't, I would like to, and I don't, I fly by the seat of my pants too often. And I, I just can't commit to that Sunday meal prep, but I'm quite sure that if I did, it would make an, an impact. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, like, I, I just can't, I just can't put aside a Sunday. It's a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is, what does a healthy life look like to you? I think picking three to five things that are the most important to me and prioritizing those things in a balanced way. So I think like having a clear sense of what's important to me and the direction that I'm trying to go um, as it right now relates to my family, my health and my career. Um, and just really making sure that those three things stay at the forefront of my time. Mm -hmm. I love that. Beautiful. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for sharing this conversation and being so you know, open about your experience. Um, hopefully. Some people listening will also check out the nutrition course. I know we were both really excited to be a part of it. And um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to chat with you. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please consider subscribing and giving it a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does help to get the word out to more people.